This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, for the last time this week, welcome into Hockey Central 960 here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Haley Salvian here with you for... The next hour, Pat Steinberg from Flames Talk and Sports at 960. The fan's going to join us off the top of the hour as he does every week, once a week. It's the Pat Chats Friday edition. Uh, and then later in the show, we're going to talk to a friend of the show. We can call him that now, Corey Lavalette. He covers the Carolina Hurricanes for uh, The Athletic and for the North State Journal. He's going to join us to talk about the Canes because they punched their ticket to the conference final, the first team to do so. They beat the New Jersey Devils last night. Uh, so that means Devils eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, they were a fun team to watch this season. Jack Hughes is a superstar and their window of contention is is wide open. There's a lot of optimism to be had. If you're a New Jersey Devils fan, nobody wants moral victories this time of year. But losing in the second round to Carolina is not bad for a young team that was in the basement of the league last year and for multiple years. Uh, they've got young players who aren't even on this roster yet. I mean, Luke Hughes barely played. Uh, Simone Nemich. Guys are up and coming. Guys are still growing. Lots to like for the New Jersey Devils. Um, also, what a horrible way to end that game last night. Power play goal and a puck over the glass penalty. It's by the book. I know. I'm not saying, like, what a bad call or what a stupid penalty. It's just... That's a tough one. It was a fun series. That game last night specifically was really fun. 3-3 into overtime. And yeah, for for that game to end, for the devil season to end on a puck over the glass call is, is a tough one. Uh, the Canes, meanwhile, they're going to play the winner of the Toronto-Florida series. We could have an answer to whoever wins that series. Tonight as Toronto's taken on the Panthers in Game 5 in Toronto tonight. Uh, the Leafs avoided elimination in Game 4, but the Panthers, of course, get another chance to end the series this evening. It's pretty much the same game notes as last time. Listen to the show from a couple days ago if you want. That's on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, etc. That's Hockey Central 960. I guess as a refresher, they need Joseph Wall to play better. Not play better, play well. He was very good in the first game. I don't know why I just said better. They need him to play well, which he has done when he's been tapped. The Leafs need to play well in front of him, and their stars need to show up. They did all those things a few days ago, and they made it a 3-1 series. Can they do it again tonight? Can they do it three more times? We will see. Uh, one question I have, how much money does Paul Maurice have on the board tonight? He coached the Toronto Marlies. He coached the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now his Panthers could play the spoiler in Toronto. It's very juicy. Should be a fun one. Uh, the other series tonight, Edmonton-Vegas. They're tied 2-2. No Darnell Nurse and no Alex Petrangelo. Of course, yesterday we talked about the Darnell Nurse suspension after the instigator penalty, and Petrangelo, after the shows, announced that he only got a one-game suspension after the cross-check on Leon Dreisaitl, the uh, the sumo chop right on the hands. Um, I disagree. I don't think that they should have the same punishment. I understand that the Darnell Nurse suspension is, is a by-the-book one, um, but for Petrangelo to get the exact same punishment for something that is... 
worse, I don't necessarily agree with. But as we said yesterday on the show, we had our chat with Greg Wyshynski. Like, there was just no way that player safety was going to play such a major role in what is currently a best of three series at this point. That series, again, is tied two to two. Um, and I guess the Kale McCarr suspension, we all saw what he did to, to Jared McCann. Uh, he only got one game. So maybe that's the, you know, that's, that's what's, uh, <laughs> the player dr- department of player safety are going to look back on and say, okay, well, that's the precedent that we set elite defenders who, who do something bad one game. Um, I'll be excited to see what happens in this game tonight. I thought the Oilers played a excellent five on five game in game four. Um, their power plays excellent, but I think the question about Edmonton has been, can they outplay Vegas when they're at even strength? And they did that. And watching that game, it was like, well, if Edmonton can play like that on a consistent basis, they are going to be very hard to beat. But it's hard to know what's going to happen because the series has been so back and forth. I mean, the game before that, Vegas was the best team by far uh, and and had quite a beat down on the Oilers. So the question is going to be, was that a turning point for the Oilers to really put their foot on the gas or just one really good game in a series that is currently tied 2-2? Uh, so with that, we're going to go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline because I believe we have Pat Steinberg on the line. He's the host of Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960. He joins us now for our weekly Pat chat. Pat, what's up? Not much. How are we doing? Good. Good. Uh, I, uh, I bought some ingredients to make margaritas because it's been a long week. Marg. So that's what I did before the show. It's going to be a Marg night for me, yeah. What uh, what type of margaritas? Uh, we got some jalapenos here, so we're gonna do a spicy margarita, maybe a spicy mango margarita. Oh, and then just very, some classic. Very lime. classic. Very good. Okay, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Just you, or do you have people over? <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I do have. I have a friend coming over. Her name is Kate. We're gonna make margaritas. Okay, Kate and Haley Margarita Friday. I like it. That's right. I've replaced you. I'm so sorry. It's all right. I'm 2,000 kilometers <laughs> away. I can live. <laughs> um, okay, before we get to some of the hockey, Pat, Cam and I were just talking about this, Producer Cam, before oh, the show started. I really want to know where Cam, Cam has some really, Cam's a really <laughs> weird guy, so this is true. I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> okay, but did you see the Stampede announced it's Midway Food? Uh, I, I kind of did. I didn't pay a ton of attention uh, to it, but I did. I did see that they announced some new things. What, what ones are you talking about? Well, this about? is no fun because I want to talk about the flaming hot dill cookie. Yeah, that sounds gross. It's a dill pickle cookie with flaming hot Cheetos. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably not something I'll spend $14 on this year. What that's about? Probably, that's probably a no for me. What about a spicy dill pickle lemonade? Uh, I mean, probably not. I mean, that sounds like something that would be good if it had vodka in it, but otherwise, <laughs> probably not. The Dunkaroo mini donuts look incredible. Yeah, those uh, uh, those looked really good. There was a corn dog thing that looked really good. That I was like, okay, yeah, I would definitely there's try There's a that. corn dog. There is a corn dog. It's a peanut butter pickle corn dog. Yeah, you know what? I would give that a try because in, in, that, in that circumstance, I think sweet and savory would go really well together. 
Oh, pickle and peanut butter, Pat? Yeah, I can I can mess with that. Mm, okay, well, I'll get us back on track here. I, I blame Cam for this because he brought this up right but like so literally sorry. 30 seconds before we went to air. <laughs> and I had all these great thoughts about sports, and then he told me about these corn dogs. So if That's anyone uh... on the text line has a problem, don't don't you blame me. <laughs> Send it's us to the text line. Fault. I'm here. <laughs> I'll take it. 960-960, Cam, will take your calls. <laughs> your text. Your text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't call me. There was, a, uh, me. There was a Cameron There's a Cameron Hughes on the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds last night who put up like four points in the 6-3 wins. So um, Cam Hughes, you're a popular guy. Isn't there a Cam Hughes that's just like an in-game promoter too? Yep, yep. He the guy who uh, the guy who runs up and down the stairs and claps really weird. That guy's also name is Cam Hughes, I believe. Jesus, how many lives have you lived? There's a winery guy too. <laughs> there aren't many Haley Salvians in the world, so. No, yeah, just the one. Me. Yep, just me. Who's your uh, Who's your Stanley Cup pick? Right now, Pat, we were just talking about, well, I was just talking to myself about Edmonton and Vegas. Obviously, the Toronto-Florida series could end tonight. Carolina's already punched their ticket to the conference final. Dallas had a really good game last night. Who, mm-hmm. uh, who are you liking right now? You know, I probably, with what I've seen the last couple of games from the Dallas Stars, I would probably, and I know that's the team that the last time we spoke that uh, you were making the push for. That, that's, and I mean... You know, this all changes in one game, obviously. If there's a game seven forced by Seattle, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, I, I think what we saw from Dallas in game four and game five against Seattle, that's they, they've been impressive. And that's, uh, that's a veteran team that and, and a team that knew that they had been outplayed for a couple of games. They stepped up and... and I was uh, I was really impressed by them. So that they're probably they're probably the team that jumps off the page to me most, and that that maybe is a little disrespectful to the only team through to the final four so far in Carolina. But I don't know. I, I just wonder when Carolina's injuries do start to catch up. But the fact that they're here to begin with is impressive with the names that they're without. But that that in and of itself is a pretty ridiculous feat that they've been able to pull off. But I just wonder when that catches up to them a little bit more. And so I, I worry a little bit about them going into whether it's uh, Florida or Toronto, who they play. I, I'm not so much worried there. I'm more worried about when they, if, if they get past that series, uh, when they go up against a Western Conference opponent. So I, I think Dallas is my odds-on favorite right now. But yeah. it sure it, it's not... It's not like I'm super emphatic about that. Like it is wide open right now, and mm-hmm. so if you're a if you're a Vegas hater, because I know there's lots of Vegas haters out there, that's not very uh, that's not very encouraging. If you're a Flames fan and want anybody but the Oilers, that's not very encouraging. Like right now, <laughs> other than Toronto, because they're on the ropes like they are. I mean, it you don't have to squint to make a really good argument for any one of the teams still going to win the Stanley Cup, which I guess I guess is a good thing because it means that there's lots of intrigue, but at the same time, a little bit too much exposure for my liking for the Oilers to, to go deep and win the Stanley Cup. I don't I don't know if I like that very much. Feeling uncomfortable with that, yeah? It's like yeah, a good Calgary I'm, boy. Quite, 
quite uncomfortable with it. I just, I, I really, there's, there are so many things that I would rather see than them winning the Stanley Cup. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling so good about that personally. But, I mean, look, that was a really, I heard you talking about how good they played or how well they played five on five in game four against Vegas. And that was a really impressive performance from them. And on top of that, when you factor in what's going on with the Golden Knights and their goaltending, and how mediocre at best Aiden Hill looked, I'm uh, I'm I'm a little worried about that series. So I'm hoping Hill can look a whole lot better in Game Five tonight, and I'm I'm hoping that the goaltending story maybe fades into the background a little bit more because with Brassois out and uh, yeah, I just I'm I'm a little. I'm a little concerned about Vegas' goaltending, and if they end up going to Jonathan Quick at some point, that's uh, that's not super encouraging. So as, as good as Vegas has been all year and as much as they've been able to mitigate all of the goaltenders they've used in their carousel, now that you're into crunch time of round two in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm, I'm not loving that for them. So um, I'm hoping I'm wrong, and I do know this. The way Vegas plays... They and when they're at their best, they're not relying on a goaltender to win them games or even be the driving force of winning games. They play such a under Bruce Cassidy. They've done such a good job of of playing a really buttoned down brand of hockey in front of whoever their goalie's been, whether it's been Brassois or Thompson or Quick or Hill or whoever it's been this year. They've done a really good job in that regard. So I'm curious to see how how Vegas puts it together back on home ice tonight. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because as good as Edmonton looked in Game 4, I mean, it was all Vegas in Game 3. They won that 1-5-1. The previous game was a 5-1 Oilers victory. That series, more specifically, it's just blowout, blowout, blowout. And that's kind of been the theme of the second round. You know, first round's always the best round for me. Um, but the second round of the playoffs, I think the only the the Leafs Panthers series has been pretty tight. Those are close. And New, games. Jer- New Jersey Carolina and, has been pretty was pretty tight. It just only went five games. Well, I mean, there was like an eight four game though. Like last there night was, was the, tight. The one, that one went to New overtime one, three yeah. three going into OT. But like those games are pretty wide open too. In the Dallas yeah. games, those have been wide open. Like. I don't uh first round's always the best for me in this second round. The, the uh, goal scoring is fun and there's been some fun goals, there's been, you know, so much pace and a, lo- a ton of highlights, but I'm almost like, "Oh, I'd, I kind of want to feel I want to s- sweat a little. I want to feel a little bit nervous. I don't want to just smash the over on everything. Like, give me a little give me a little bit of drama here. Just a yeah, little bit fair. more." Yeah, that's fair. And I, uh, I I think we're going to get regardless. I mean, Vegas, one of Vegas or Edmonton being in the conference finals, I think lots of people would have had that on their bingo, bingo cards. But yeah. um, and and I guess I guess the Western Conference was so wide open. But with the East, knowing what Carolina's injuries were coming into the playoffs, knowing that Tampa Bay and Boston existed on the eastern side of things and Toronto beat Tampa Bay the fact that we're most likely looking at an old uh, southeast division showdown between Carolina and Florida in the eastern mm-hmm. conference final is that's that's your that's your big shock so that's been kind of the biggest intrigue i'm curious to see if yeah. Toronto can push it to game 6 or not but 
Um, yeah, that, that, that's obviously your biggest surprise as to who the two teams representing most likely representing the East and the Eastern conference final are going to be And in the West. I mean, if Seattle is able to pull it out and get to a Western conference final, that'll be a massive shot. But if it's Mm -hmm. Dallas Edmonton or Dallas Vegas, I think those, those ones are a little less surprising just because of how, how much parody and, and how little separated teams in the Western conference this year. Yeah, I think we need to put a bit more respect on on Carolina. I mean, they were they finished second in the league this season and yeah, the injuries suck, but really like they're only missing Svechnikov when we're talking about top of the lineup. Yeah, production and scoring cuz like Patcheretti played 3 games, yeah. right? And I mean, yeah. I I was doing this. I was like, "Oh man, Carolina, I'm not feeling too great. Look at what they've lost, but Teravainen didn't have a great season by his standard, and Patretti barely played. So yeah, they've lost Svechnikov, but they've got, you know, in round one, it's Paul Stasny scoring game winners. In round two, it's Jesper Faust, and it's um, and it's Jordan Martinuk scoring game winners. I mean, he's been unbelievable in the second round of the playoffs. So Carolina's got levels. Uh, we're going to talk to Corey Lavalette later in the show, so we don't need to dive into the Canes. But I gotta say, I wouldn't be shocked if they make it to the Cup final or the Eastern. No, I mean me they've either. already made it to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, so we gotta put a bit more respect on the Canes and what Rod Brindamore has kind of built there. And it's a special season. It's like a, it's an anniversary year for the team moving back to Raleigh. Uh, so good things happening in Carolina. Let's go to the Flames a little bit here for a second, Pat. Oh, good. So Yay. I was thinking, yeah, woo. I was thinking about, you know, if the Toronto Maple Leafs lose tonight, how quickly do they start to make changes at the top? Um, The lottery's over, the draft is Mm -hmm. coming, and so is free agency. Um, For teams who get booted from the playoffs, I mean, in the first round, in the second round, like, things are going to start to happen. Um, So I'm curious, like, we've been sitting here for a couple weeks now having the same conversations about the Flames you know, they got to hire a GM before they can hire their coach and what happens with their players. Uh, what's your thought on, on the GM search? Like, they've got time, and some of the potential interviewees for the GM position haven't even hit the market yet if we're talking about the Dubases or the Tulskis or whatever it may be, a team's AGM, whoever it might be. You know, not all the teams are, are on the market. Not all the guys are on the market yet. So they've got time, but they also can't take forever here. <laughs> So what are you what are, are you just, what are you thinking? What are you hearing? Well, are we talking we're talking about the Flames and, and Yes, and the Flames GM and the search. GM. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, I think I think yeah, I, I, I do think that we're kinda now into that stage where it's been almost a month since Brad Living stepped down because we are here on May twelfth right now and the Flames final game of the regular season was Wednesday, April twelfth. So we're a month removed now from game eighty two for Calgary. So, and it was, what, four or five days later that Brad Trilliving stepped down as general manager. So we're definitely in the area where it's time and making a decision makes sense. So, and I, I think that we're kind of in the pocket now where it's in the next week or two, we'll find out who the new general manager has been. I actually, uh, I, I think some of the interviews that we've been waiting on and, and some of the, I, I think that they have started to begin. I think they're actually now we're, we're starting to hear some names that are connected. And I think some of those names that have connected have had 
if not full-on extensive interviews, my understanding is there's been, you know, some pretty decent preliminary chats with a number of names. And, you know, just even doing some digging in the last 24 hours, I think the names, uh, it's a pretty extensive list that we're talking about. And, you know, some of the names that we've heard so far, whether it's Mark Hunter or Stan Bowman or some of the other names, Mike Fuda, um, I, I think there, there have been conversations with the names that have been thrown out there. And there are more on top of that. We know about the two internal candidates. So I, I do think we're now kind of starting to enter the um, – they're, they're starting to gear up when it comes to this conversation. Now it's no longer just in the preliminary stages or the initial stages. I think they're whittling down the list. I think they're starting to – figure out what guys are like, okay, yeah, we talked to that person, but that's probably not going to be our person and, and starting to hone in a little bit more on a short list. So um, that's, that's where I think we are on the GM search. I think that we're a couple of weeks, a week, two weeks away from a decision being made. And that, that makes sense because that gives whoever it's going to be, whether it's one of the internal candidates or whether it's one of the external guys, um, it gives it gives the person who steps in as the next general manager still about a month to prepare for the draft, gives them a month or so to really get a strategy in place for unrestricted free agency, start to get the lay of the land when it comes to your pending unrestricted free agents and the seven guys that are about to enter the final years of contracts. It just it gives enough time. But it also, you know, you you don't want to go too much later than the end of May. Like, you don't want to be into mid-June and still not have a general manager. And I get the idea of wanting to make sure you get the right guy. I fully understand that. But I think it is absolutely possible to get the right guy and have that right guy in place in the next couple of weeks. So that's where I think we are. That's the... That's the first domino now that needs to drop. And, you know, I don't think you need to rush a head coaching hire. I think you can wait until you know, a little bit more into June to figure out who your next head coach is going to be. And, and then you get to work on the draft in this roster. So, yeah, I, I think we're getting closer to a new GM. And I think that uh, we're now starting to talk uh, about things being ramped up a little bit, which is good news because that's probably where it should be, especially because they didn't start the GM search immediately, right? Like at, mm-hmm. at first, they they found out the news that they weren't going to be getting tree back. Brad and, and the Flames parted ways. So from there, they had to figure out what the heck was going to happen with Daryl Sutter. And Don Maloney wasn't really even prioritizing the GM search at that time because they were really digging deep on what they were going to do with the head coach and the situation there. And now that we're a little less than two weeks removed from Daryl being let go, that ever ever since that decision was made and made uh, made public, it's been a whole lot more focused on getting this new GM in place. Are there any of the external candidates that really pique your interest, Pat? Uh, yeah, there definitely are, um, and and I think who are they? The ones that, the ones that pique my interest <laughs> are the ones that don't have general manager experience. I'm not I'm not in love with the idea of Stan Bowman for two reasons. Um, the off the ice stuff and and yeah. all of what comes along with that, I just don't like it. I don't think that I don't think it's a good look to have to have your hire reinstated by the NHL. And I don't think I think there are other guys 
that you don't have to go down that road with. There are other guys who don't have that type of stuff attached to them. And and we're talking about pretty serious things and and covering things up that didn't need to be covered up, so on and so forth. Um, So, yeah, I I do not like the idea of Stan Bowman at all as the the GM, but it sounds like he is a a viable candidate, um, at least in, in Calgary's eyes. But it's not just that. I did. I also did not love the way, just from a straight-up hockey standpoint, you take the sexual assault cover-up stuff out of it um, and talk only about the hockey side of it. I didn't love the way that Bowman went about his business in the final three or four years uh, in Chicago. So I don't love the idea of the the experienced guy, the name guy. I, if, if you're going external, I, I like the idea of Tulski. I like the idea of Rich Peverly in Dallas, a name that continues to be really interesting to me. I don't know if he's on Calgary's radar, radar or not, but and I know that it makes Flames fans upset because he's a former Oiler, but Sean Horkoff in Detroit fascinates me because that's a guy that is, is learning under kind of the gold standard of general managers. I mean, look, Steve, Steve Eiserman's the guy that you want to have tutoring your next guy um, and so I really like that idea as well. So Peverly, Horkoff, Kulski, those are three uh, external names that jump out to me. Kyle Dubis, if he becomes available, I think you have to make him a, a, a strong, strong consideration. Yeah, and you got to give that guy a, little, a call. <laughs> I, you do. And, and I am still not convinced, even if Toronto bows out tonight or whenever this series comes to an end and it doesn't go Toronto's way, I still think there's a good chance they retain Dubis. I really do. But if they don't, I think the Flames have to be looking at him as well. I still believe internal's the way to go. That's my opinion. I think that this is a really good time to go with the guy that they've been grooming for the last 10-plus years in, in Craig Conroy. And I think now's the time to not rock the boat too much after what happened last summer. That's only me. I don't make the decisions in terms of external, internal, external, whatever. Um, and so if they do decide to go external, uh, then those are some of the names that jump out to me. I almost feel like if they go external, then... <sighs> You've got to think that Conroy is going to have to go to a different organization to get a GM job. I believe, I believe he will. I, I, I hired Craig. I think Conroy will, uh, will leave. I, I, I still, my, I don't believe he has a contract for next year. I know there's been a lot of uh, differing reporting on that, but my understanding is I don't, I don't think anyway he's currently with contract for next year. And, and that can always change. And, and they, they, there's still lots of time until his contract runs out on June 30th, but I don't think he has one right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's a good chance that, that he and, – and, and you couldn't blame him if he did. That's 12-plus no, 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 management. No. That's two decades in the city. And, and if it's not going to happen now for him, when's it going to happen? So I, I think he's a great candidate. I really do. Um, and, and I think that I think there'd be a lot of positive if they went down that road, if they decide, and that's the road that I would be going down. Um, but if they don't, then I think that he probably very strongly considers walking away. I mean, Bill Guerin was a player development coach, then uh, assistant general manager 
in Pittsburgh for for years, and he obviously is the GM of the Wild now because he wasn't going to get that GM opportunity in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I think that's a, a fair comparable. Sometimes the organization yeah. you work for for 10 years isn't the one that you end up becoming the general manager of. Nobody would blame Craig Conroy for leaving to find that opportunity elsewhere. Um, a couple minutes left with you, Pat. I'm curious to to get your take. Frank Saravalli reported this week that the Flames are not allowing Bradtree Living to interview for vacant jobs. Um, I don't love it. Uh, his contract expires on June 30th, it sounds like. Uh, mm-hmm. according to Frank Saravalli. Now, as we're having this conversation about the Flames, you know, let's let's move this thing along here, get ready for the draft. Like, what team is going to hire a new GM after the NHL draft is done and on the eve of free agency? Like, you're basically just telling Brad Tree Living, you got to take a seat this year, try again next. And I, that sucks. <laughs> well, okay, so I've got, a, I've got a few thoughts on this one. So, it would, if, if the Flames gave permission to teams and said, yeah, you can interview Brad, but you can't have him for the draft, um, that wouldn't be unprecedented. It's happened before. Sure. So there's, there's definitely that, um, that, that I wonder if enters into the conversation at some point. Um, but on the surface, I, I, don't, I don't love it either because I'm, I'm of the opinion – just let a guy work. And I know that there were, I'm trying to think of the right word to put it. I, I guess the best, the best term to use is I think there were hard feelings when Brad walked away on both sides because I, I fully believe that both sides wanted to continue the relationship. And, and so as Elliot Friedman said on the day that we found out that Brad was walking away, basically what Elliot said was Brad wanted to return to the flames. The flames wanted Brad to return and nine times out of ten, when you have that on both sides, then something gets done. This is the one time something didn't get done. And so as such, I think it uh, I, I think the flames were upset that, you know, Brad didn't what whatever, make a concession or, or take another step to the middle uh, and accept their contract offer that they believed was was fair and on the table. And I think Brad was upset that, you know, they wouldn't go in his mind the extra mile to, to retain him. And, and I think part of it was Daryl Sutter. I think part of it was term on the contract. And, and so here we are. The Flames are looking for a new general manager. And so I understand the idea of protecting interests, and I understand the idea that you don't want your former GM to jump right to another team and take potentially valuable intel to that team. I understand that, but there are ways that you can mitigate that. And I also – I just think – let a guy work because if you have if you if he can't if he can't truly be available until June 30th and more importantly can't have the actual meaningful talks or or won't be given permission to have those talks until June 30th then yeah it, it probably means he's not going to be getting a job right away or it makes it a whole lot more difficult because right now is when you hire GMs right now is yep. when you're starting to add those guys. So, yeah, I'm, I, I get the protecting interest side of it. I do, and I think there's merit to it. But I lean in these circumstances and, and with this circumstance, I, I really do lean to let the guy work, let him continue, and, and we'll, see, we'll see if anything changes. We'll see if, if you know, the, now that something like this is a little bit more out in the air, maybe that puts a little pressure on or, you know, maybe – Maybe that was already changing. I don't know. But I, I do, if Brad wants to work and he wants to be a GM somewhere else next year, 
then I think he should be given the opportunity to. And, and I don't think that standing in the way is necessarily the right way to go about things. So we'll, I'm, I'm really curious to see this one plays out. But yeah, on the surface, I understand why somebody would be that, why somebody would think that that's not the greatest look of all time. Yeah, I'm with you. Thanks for doing this, Pat. We'll do it next week. Goodbye, friend. Bye. There goes Pat Steinberg. Host Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. That was our weekly Pat chat. Always good stuff. My friend Pat. We used to go for margaritas together, and now now we don't. Now we just talk on the radio. And that conversation with Pat Steinberg is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast Takeout or Delivery, available at two. At 403-248-3344. We're going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to pick up a bit of the conversation Pat and I started having about the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, but we're going to do it with somebody who's more of an expert on that subject. It's Corey Lavalette. He covers the Carolina Hurricanes. He joins us next on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back, Sportsnet 960. Oh, my goodness. Hockey Central 960 continues. It's a Friday here, folks. We're struggling towards the end of the day. Almost there. Final segment of the show. We are going to uh, pick up our Carolina Hurricanes conversation from earlier in the show. The Canes punched their ticket to the conference final with a win over the New Jersey Devils last night. A 4-3 victory in overtime to dive into that a little bit more, we're going to head to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline and bring in Corey Lavaletti, covers the Canes for the North State Journal and uh, weekly columns at The Athletic. Corey, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Haley. How are you? Good, good. I mean, uh, speaking is hard. I forgot the name of my radio show, but otherwise thriving, having a great time. Everything's going great. I understand. I understand. <laughs> a little bit of a blender right now. Yeah, it's all right. We got there eventually. Um, as I mentioned, the Canes, they're the first ones to punch their ticket to the conference final. Um, they're waiting to see who they face off in in round three, whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Florida Panthers. Uh, but let's maybe start from, from how they were able to do this. How did the Canes, how did the Canes, uh, win this series, Corey? I, I think it's just what Rod Brindamore has preached forever since he became head coach and probably when he was captain of the team, which is you need everyone pulling the rope and you need everyone contributing. And that's exactly what they've gotten throughout this postseason. It's amazing to think of the different guys they've had, you know, be heroes from night to night and the different guys who've scored big goals or uh, made big defensive plays. And even the goaltenders, you know, different goalies uh, stepping in and playing well. Just, a, you know, they preach team and they, you know, and all that. And every team does. Uh, but I think it's a it really means something here in Raleigh for them, and uh, it's just you know that philosophy has proven to be successful in the postseason so far. It's been great to watch because last time we had you on the show, Corey, I think we were talking about Paul Stasny and how he was the guy in the first round of the playoffs. And, and Sebastian Ajo, I mean, he's still leading the team in, in goals and points. He's still the guy. He's the top-line guy. He's the number one center. Um, but then it's Jesper Faust getting the game winner last night. And it's Jordan Martinuk who's playing really well in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, there's no Andrei Svechnikov. 
But there's some depth in Carolina and guys, as you mentioned, like a different guy is able to step up on a, any given night when they need it the most. And that's almost what makes this Canes team special and, and probably a team that people are overlooking as a potential Stanley Cup winner. And and really tough to defend, too. It's not like you can just, yeah. you know, uh, Jack Hughes is, a, is an amazing player. Uh, and I understand he was hurt last night and, you know, that probably slowed him down a bit. But even in games one and two, you know, they, they stick Jordan Stahl on his hip and it's really hard for him to do anything. And it slows down everything they wanted to do. I, I feel very confident the Hurricanes put a big focus on, okay, let's stop Dougie Hamilton. We know what he does well. Let's take that away. And Dougie had a really tough series. And then you look and, you know, outside of game three, the Devils had a lot of trouble generating much of anything um, the whole series. And when you look at Carolina, you can say, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to stick Nico Heischer on, on Sebastian Ajo and slow him down. And they, they had success, you know, keeping, keeping Sebastian in check. But then there's just everybody else. Martin Natchez has a two goal game. <laughs> uh, Brett Burns comes alive in the last two games to score a goal in each of them. Jacob Slavin, you know, yes, Barry Kokanyemi. It's just a, it's, it's really just been kind of a clinic in depth. And to do that without, you know, three of your, you know, three of your three guys who would play in your top six if they were healthy, um, just really impressive and speaks to the group as a whole. Do you think people are making too much of those injuries? And I say this as somebody who made too much of those injuries at a point in time uh, heading into the playoffs. It's like, oh, God, they needed to add goal scoring, not lose it. Oh, boy, I'm worried. And so far, I'm not feeling too bad anymore. <laughs> I don't think it can be overstated. I think it's it speaks more to, you know, the commitment this group has to playing their system. They play different than pretty much any team in the league. There aren't too many teams that are doing what the Hurricanes do. It's a, you know, it's a zone entry league and the Hurricanes are dumping chasing on everyone and just forechecking <laughs> the hell out of everybody. And, you know, it allows for you to have some interchangeable parts. As long as guys buy in, I think, you know, you can have success. Now, would you like to have Andre Svechnikov taking some shots from, you know, between the hash marks rather than someone else? Probably. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it really, you know, it all comes down to work ethic for them. And then, you know, the scoring is coming right now, but it hasn't been sacrificed. You know, it hasn't sacrificed their defense at all. You know, they're still uh, outside of that one eight game or eight four game, that blip on the radar. They're allowing two goals a game in the playoffs. I mean, exactly two goals a game. So, you know, they're getting offense right now. But even if their offense did dry up a little bit as it has in the past, you know, the de the defensive side of things, the goaltending has been so good that uh, it's going to make them a really, really tough out no matter who's next. So that's one thing I'm curious, you know, without disrespecting Freddie Anderson, because he did go in and play a really good game last night. I mean, 27, 26 uh, saves on 27 shots at even strength, 27 saves on 29 shots overall, a 931 save percentage is great, but... I feel like with Carolina, and it's been this way for years, it hasn't always mattered who's in net for the Carolina Hurricanes because the system that they play allows their goalies to thrive. Of course you need Freddie Anderson to make the timely saves, but the system in front of him makes it easier for him to not have to be diving all over the place making high-danger stops. 
Well, I just remember the panic here when, you know, they kind of they had three goalies and they just flushed them all out. You know, they had Peter Morozik, they had James Reimer, and of course they had Alex Nedeljkovic. And they looked at those three guys and they said, you know, there's an upgrade to be had here. And, you know, Freddie has taken a lot of grief as if he's not a playoff goalie. But, you know, outside of a couple performances in Toronto, he's actually been a, a totally decent playoff goalie, even good. And, you know, Antti Ranta, you know, same thing. If he can be healthy, he's had stretches in his career, particularly, you know, this season, obviously, but also that one season in Arizona where he was a dominant goalie. And, you know, to your point, it's totally true. It's, it's almost like, why would you spend $10 million on a goalie when we feel, you know, as, a, as an organization, we feel like, well, we're going to put our goalies in the best, the best position to succeed. And now you look and they've got a guy signed for four years at $2 million in Pyotr Kachekov that <laughs> might be the most talented of the three of them. Now there's some polishing to be done. But it's like they already have the next man up uh, ready to go. And, you know, they've embraced uh, a rotation, which is something that some teams have been reluctant to do. We saw Boston maybe wait a game or two too long to do that. And, um, yeah. you know, and now they're going to get now they're going to get a bunch of rest again. They, they ran they ran Ranta for five games in the first round. Now they've run Anderson for six straight. And now they're going to have a nice long rest and come back, and both guys will be will be fresh, and you can make your decisions on a nightly basis. It's it's really impressive what they've done, uh, and how they just expect their goalies to, um, you know, give them a chance is what is the way Rod puts it. Just give us a chance to win, and we'll take care of the rest. Not many $10 million goalies left in the playoffs. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky is the $10 million goalie that is left in the postseason right now. But, I mean, Connor Hellebuck's out. I mean, no Markstrom, no Shesterkin, no Allmark. So it looks like the Canes are doing all right with Freddie Anderson clicking along at $4.5 million, I think, is his contract right now. Not too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, not bad. Uh, Jordan Martinook, I, I want to get a circle back to him. He was put on waivers in October for cap-related reasons. Not a single team took him. He clears waivers. He's on the Canes. He's playing excellent in the second round. He's just showing uh, 31 teams that they made a mistake earlier in the year or what? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for him, and I, I talked to him at length about this, is he spent the offseason kind of reshaping um, how he could be ready for the season. And that's not to say he wasn't the kind of guy who came into camp uh, prepared each year, but um, he's battled injuries so much. And this year he's healthy. And you can just see it in that that extra half a step he has. Um, you know, he's suddenly one of the faster guys on the ice every single night. He's, um, he's as Jordan Stahl told me, he's tenacious. He's He never changes what he's doing, which is he's going to forecheck hard, He's going to battle for every puck. Doesn't have the greatest hands in the world, and he knows that. But, you know, everybody gets rolling sometimes. And when you get rolling and pucks start going in for you, and then, you know, you add into that that you're a constant work ethic guy, which is what he is, you know, you're going to go on runs like this. And it's just been, you know, really impressive. And, you know, he had a tough few years. He talked about, you know, how – it was really tough on him, especially when they were in the playoffs a few years ago and he was hurt and trying to play through it. He said, 
you know, I was, you know, I'd come home and I'd go into my closet and cry. I was in so much pain because he said the, you know, the muscle was ripped off the bone on his pelvis and he's playing through it. Ew. And it, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and his wife told him, you know, why are you doing this? And he said, well, I don't know how many chances I'm going to get to play in the playoffs. And it just mm-hmm. a, um, you know, you hear all these these stories about guys playing through things, but in this case, it's a healthy Jordan Martinuk that's really, really, you know, making a difference here. He's not, he doesn't have to play through something because he's healthy and it's just, it's shown uh, on the ice. And then he's an amazing leader on this team too. I know you already talked a bit about the buy-in that this team has and the systems that Rod Brindamore has them playing, but I want to drill in a little bit more here just on the Rod Brindamore impact because I don't think that is something that can be overstated. I've talked to guys who played in Carolina. It's like, you know, guys would run through a wall for Rod Brindamore. The impact that that coach has on his team is is something that's really special to see. I mean, I interviewed him once, and at the end I was like, God, God damn it, I get it now. Like, I know why everybody loves this guy. I mean, he yelled at me at one point. Uh, but I was like, this is fine. I feel like I'm I'm, I'm his friend now. I've been yelled at by Rod Brindamore in, like, a fun, caring way. So what can you tell us about the Rod Brindamore effect on the Canes? You know, I, I had that same moment with him when I when I interviewed <laughs> him about, um, about Jordan Martin up early in the year. And, you know, he had gone through waivers. And then, you know, when, when Paul Stastny didn't work out uh, with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss as that Nino, Nino Niederreiter replacement, he put Martin up there. And every, all the fans groaned and said, oh, God, not Jordan Martin up. Oh, dear. And he, he got heated with me. And he said, uh, you know, people who say that don't know what they're talking about. And I think that's what, what players like so much about him is if you give – rod an honest effort if you give him everything you have you don't have to be the most skilled guy in the world you know you can be Jesper Faust and Jordan Stahl guys that don't have a history of scoring a lot of goals you can be Jordan Martinuk you know you can be that kind of player and he will love you to death for it just because every time you go over the boards he knows what to expect from you and you know that's all he can ever ask and that's all he asks of his team is do it the way we want to do it and work your tail off and everything's going to be, you know, everything's going to work the way it should work for us. And I think that's what the guys like is they know this is the guy who, who did it, who did it this way, who did it on determination and hard work and work ethic and uh, honesty and all those things. And then, you know, there's a family atmosphere too. He cares about each of these guys and, you know, there have been guys who left here and, you know, the Eric Hall thing kind of spun out a little bit uh, during this series because now this is three <laughs> straight years that, that they <laughs> faced him. And, um, you know, that relationship didn't work out here. And I think it, you know, in part was because Eric Hall wasn't as committed. To, you know, and he, he was a guy who was going to be an unrestricted free agent. And he wanted opportunity and he wanted, you know, a chance to secure things for his family and all that. And that's not what Rod's about. Like, Rod's is basically like, hey, if you do – what you're supposed to do here, you're going to get paid. And, you know, maybe you're not going to get paid by us. Maybe you're going to be Dougie Hamilton and you're going to get paid somewhere else. And that's okay. You know, you saw the nice moment he had with Dougie after last night's game. But, um, you know, I think that's his big thing is just, you know, as long as you play your tail off for me and, uh, and do it the right way and give me an honest effort, I, you know, I think he's, he's thrilled. And 
uh, you know, that shows in the way that guys respect him. It's easy to take your cues from a coach that's been there, done that as a player, and then continue. I mean, I've heard of stories of, like, Rod, when he goes into the gym, like, he's still working out all the time with the guys. Like, that guy is still committed to his fitness regime. So it seems like an easy guy to try to listen to and take some pointers from. Uh, final question for you, Corey, before we let you go and enjoy the rest of our Fridays here. Uh, Florida or Toronto in round three is the big question. That's who Carolina is waiting for. I'm so curious to see what a Panthers hurricane series could look like given both teams <laughs> love the four checking style. Is that the, is that the one that you're kind of looking out for as a Canes Panthers round three? Well, not only the styles, which I think would be so fun to watch. Um, and I think would make for just amazing hockey, but there's so many storylines. You got all three Stahl brothers. You've got uh, a few guys who were, you know, who were in Carolina and ended up in Florida and Lusterinen and and Forsling. You've got Paul Kropelka, assistant GM. You know, got his start in front office with the Hurricanes and, and then moved on to, to be with Bill Zito. Um, just you know, Paul Maurice. I mean, mm-hmm. is that, you yep. know, <laughs> uh, if if you know, Rod Brindamore is quote the coach of the Carolina Hurricanes historically now. But if there's a second guy, it's either Paul Maurice or Peter Laviolette. And um, you know, there's so many great storylines there. And even you know, their pursuit of Matthew Kachuk, which I think those were the two teams that were right down to the wire to get Matthew yeah. Kachuk. And um, there's just so much good stuff. Uh, in there and uh, so I mean yeah I mean obviously a Toronto series comes with everything that goes with Toronto and it would be um, (laughs) you know mega mega hyped and uh, a lot less room in the locker room I'd have to sharpen my elbows a little bit Um, (laughs) but uh, but yeah I mean I think a Florida series would be you know exactly what what fans want to see I mean Sebastian Ajo against Alexander Barkov just over and over again, just so many great subplots to uh, to to that series, and um, you know, I, I know it's not quote unquote the dream of uh, ESPN or TNT or anyone, but eh, um, <laughs> great great for southeastern hockey, uh, great for kids to see this. You know, so many kids around here, you know, it, hockey's exploding here, and so many kids are so excited. Uh, about the hurricanes and we've seen guys come out of florida now and um it's not going to be long before we see a lot of kids come out of come out of the triangle and come out of the carolinas well i'm with you i'm hoping for the florida carolina you know old southeast division eastern conference final that could be a good one i'm with you and i don't want you to have to sharpen the elbows for the for the locker room because i've been there I decided I was in Toronto. I was going to go to the away room. I was going to do this one-on-one with Nico Heischer. I had this great idea. Nobody covers the New Jersey Devils. I've got like three beat writers. It's going to be great. And, oh, yeah, everyone else had the same idea. And I walked out of there feeling like I got hit by a bus because there were so many people trying to get Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. I was like, damn it. This is uh, This didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. So I hope for your sake that it is Florida, not Toronto, Corey. Yeah, for sure. And and makes for nice off days, too. Totally. More uh, more relaxed. Well, uh, way nicer weather, too. I mean, it's pretty nice in Toronto, but thanks for doing this, Corey. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Yeah, anytime. 
All right, there goes Corey Lavaletti, covers the Carolina Hurricanes for the North State Journal and the Athletic. The Canes await their round three opponent. They could get an answer tonight, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers game five. The Panthers get another shot at eliminating Toronto from playoff contention. Leafs can try to stay alive once again. Uh, the other game on tap is Edmonton versus Vegas. That's all the time we have for today on the show. That's all the time we have for this week. Here on Hockey Central 960, I'll be back next week and uh, we can start looking ahead to some of these round three matchups as some of these round two games and series start to wrap up. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week.